You're listening to Clock Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. And now, side B. Well, I was going to say, do you want to talk about Nikki or do you want to talk about... I, I would say let's maybe talk about Nikki a little bit and then we can go to the bigger thing about just all artists and being... Yep. Okay. Let's do it. Um, so what did Nikki do? Boy, I mean, we, I gave that whole rundown at the start of the show. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think she's harmed her career? Yeah, I think so. Is, is there... I mean how's it go like there's no such thing as bad publicity right like i don't i don't think that works in this very pc culture what do you mean by that um i think that you can say things that go against you know look at kanye like kanye says some things that people will never forgive him for um i mean kanye said slavery was a choice okay does that mean that we're not supposed to forgive him for it forgive is an interesting word that you use there like when i say forgive you can understand what somebody did. You can understand where somebody comes from. Um, and I guess the choice is, do you, do you still support his music? Do you still listen to his music? Do you still, you know, it's different. It's different when somebody like Kanye just stops making fire music. Right. Right. So you could say that people ain't really rocking with Ye because it wasn't that good of an album. And that's fine because music is subjective. Um, but when you're not supporting Kanye or not supporting him because of his views, especially when I feel like in Kanye's case, he was very much like, I'm out of your mouth. If you say, Doc, I'm not sure. Or if you say, Armand, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm not sure. Then I'm going to like give you a lot of grace. But if you're just going off at the mouth saying something crazy, even if you come back later and say, I'm trying to figure this out, my bad. I guess it's weird because then you kind of go into your own personal belief system and then some, some apologies are, you know, um, they're genuine. And then some of them are in the case of celebrities, they are based off of, well, now you're losing money because we don't agree with, you know, people aren't agreeing with what you're saying or whatever, whatever. So it's, it's a gray area and it comes down to what you like, how you feel or what you rock with. I've said dumb stuff. And so if Kanye says something stupid and his album is fire, again, that goes back to our earlier conversation about hip hop, where hip hop has offended me for years. Culture has offended me for years. So am I supposed to just say, well, that that does it? You know, what's my limit? If your limit is here, then how stupid do I feel for, you know, overlooking a lot of my belief system just to engage hip hop? You know, but that's everybody's thing. Like everybody has has the right to go about that the way that they see fit, I should say. All right. I want to push back on a little bit of this. Okay. I think there's a couple couple things that are floating in my head and I'll try to piece it all together. So number one, like Twitter is not a conversation between you and your friends. Absolutely. Especially when you are a celebrity. Twitter is a megaphone. Absolutely. So let's say you were trying to have the conversation. Like, let's say like you're like, you know what? Actually, I don't really know that much about slavery. I got some thoughts. I'm working this out. There's a difference between talking about it with friends and walking out in the middle of the street with a megaphone and yelling, slavery is a choice. It's public speech. And we've always treated them differently. And the problem is mm-hmm. that Twitter makes the public seem like the private. Absolutely. We have social media, period. Yeah, we have very imperfect tools. Twitter, especially. Twitter, especially. Because Twitter encourages um, resp- uh, in-the-moment response. Well, also, you can just broadcast out. Like, Facebook is meant to be like, oh, these are me and my friends. Or even Instagram is a little bit more on that thing but twitter feels very much like one to many right i don't feel like i have an, i don't feel like i have like a network of people on twitter i feel like twitter is just this void that you is. shout into you know mm-hmm. I, th- I think 
So that's one thing, right? I think there's a big difference between public speech and private speech. I think there's also an erosion of what you might call, I mean, it, this is totally related to the politics of this country right now. There's an erosion of this sort of like truce that we all had in polite society. And the truce was, and maybe it's a good thing that the truce is gone because we can maybe finally get to being real, right? But the truce was, there are some things that are not said, that are not spoken about. You don't talk about white, you don't talk about Nazis in a positive way. Mm-hmm. You don't talk about black people in a negative way. Mm-hmm. You don't talk about slave owning in a positive way. You don't mm-hmm. talk about the Confederacy. There are these things that like polite society, quote unquote, decided we're just not going to talk about it. And the deal is we get to all pretend like racism doesn't exist. Exactly. Right. Or, 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 and I can say, and maybe you can't say this, but I can, or s- certain demographics feel like because they have been treated unfairly, that they, they, that they have the monopoly on what's offensive and what's not. And you can be, you can't be offensive towards me, but I can be offensive towards you. I, I don't know if I quibble with the word, I, I quibble with the word offensive. Like, I think that there is something about like, it about being, I think there's a difference between things that are offensive and things that are racist. And even things that are, like racism implies a power disparity that things that are offensive do not. So I am sort of on board with the idea that like, look, I may, I have immense privilege in this country, right? I'm a straight white male. And so there is a power disparity that comes with, with that. And I, I'm more or less on board with that. But I feel like this language is all very imprecise. And a lot of times we say racist when what we mean is derogatory, not even derogatory. What we mean is, um, what is the word? There's an, again, I'm, I'm being imprecise with my own language. Like there are words that people kind of use to mean the same thing, but to me, they have somewhat different meanings. But the other thing I was going to say, so hold on, I was talking about, so I was talking about, oh, this notion of like public and private speech. Oh yeah. And this idea of like, there are things that we used to think that we used to decide that you just don't say because like, we don't like, it's kind of settled that the Holocaust happened and it was terrible and Nazis were bad. And like that used to be kind of settled, but what has happened, some of it's, it's not Trump's fault. Trump is the avatar of it. It's the rise of well, I'm just asking the question, right? This idea that like, oh, well, why are you trying to suppress speech? I just want to I just want to ask the question about, you know, was slavery a choice? And whether I'm not saying that Kanye West is a member of the alt-right or anything like that. I think he got caught up, not like he got caught up in it, but like his phrase, the phrase that he used was about what it, 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 it come about at a time when there is this surge in this country and really around the world, of people who, for whatever reason, and there's lots of guess, but people who are all of a sudden feeling empowered by tools like Twitter to go, yeah, what about sleep? As, as though we don't have history classes and we weren't taught, we don't know what actually happened. There's this notion of like, well, I can just say whatever I want, you know? And and if you and if you try to stop me, well, you're just suppressing my freedom of speech. And it's like, okay, first of all, that's not, that's not what freedom of speech means. And secondly, sometimes facts are just facts. Right. And I'm rambling here at this point, but all that to say, like, that's, I think Kanye got at the vortex of all that. Right. He was using Twitter as like, here's how he wants to communicate. But when you're Kanye West, there is an obligation. And I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not saying that I would do a better job at it. But when you are famous and you're using a communication tool, you are going to come under more scrutiny. That is the way it works. And I think that 
it's a it's an unfortunate reality because in that in that instance, if to drive the conversation back to Nikki, then then the conversation becomes, well, who are your friends? You know, when when I used to use Twitter to just sound off however I was feeling in the moment, I was isolated. So there weren't really a whole lot of people that I could trust to call and talk to about all of the crazy thoughts that were going on in my head. And so, like you said, Twitter can feel private because of where you're tweeting from. You were tweeting from your home. You were tweeting from your car. Nobody else is in the car with you. So you can kind of say these things and you may have had conversations with some of your followers who would make you feel like this is a safe space, not realizing that, hey, your profile's public. And I think you would agree with this because you've been, I just got a tweet this week that said I've been on there for 10 years. God help me. Um, But Twitter in 2010 is not Twitter in 2018. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think, um, and much to the chagrin of people who love to talk about the old days of Twitter and how great it was. Um, I think that, I don't know, sometimes when I hear, I'm not saying you do this, sometimes when I hear, especially like in sort of the tech communities that I sort of sometimes follow online, um, a lot of like, oh man, Twitter's terrible now, you know? And some of that is, it's like, well, Twitter used to just be a place for people who were really online, which you had a couple different subsets. And one of them was certainly like younger, like white men in the computer industry, right? They were early to Twitter. And so like what's happened is like now, like lots of people are on Twitter. So what they're mad about is the fact that like Twitter isn't their own little private area. I, I would say that Twitter has gotten worse because everybody, and we, we've said this at length on this show years ago, everybody's right about everything. And if you disagree with me, you're wrong. And it's kind of become a bed for a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to call it cyberbullying, but, you know, we live in this country or we live in this culture of live your truth. But if your truth contradicts my truth, then I'm offended and I'm going to like lash out at you to the point to where like subsets, as we're talking about, like the barbs and who were just really, you know, we talked about the Nikki story where the, the writer made a comment about Nikki's music and then they found out where she lived. She lost a job, all this other stuff. Well, it didn't help that Karen Civil was working for Nikki. So, but, you know, it's, it's become where like people will search in your, your, subset people will come into your subset and tell you how to run your subset so they'll they may search you know kanye west and you didn't at kanye but maybe you said something about kanye and then somebody who feels the opposite way that you do about kanye because they've searched his name will find out something you said about kanye and will just completely go in on you for saying which whatever you said on a public platform about kanye because it's public Sure, that's what to expect, but there are people who literally seek whom they may devour in that instance. And that's not fun. It's not fun. That like that just that just changes the dynamic of Twitter. Like the thing about free speech that I appreciate, though you've you've gone for years you've explained what free speech is, but Doc, you have to understand that what you believe free speech is, the lion's share. Like, that's not what they believe free speech is. They believe free speech is I can say whatever I want without consequence. That's free speech. That's not free speech. That's not at all what it is. What I'm saying is, is that you are in the minority of believing what free speech is from a 
what would it be safe to say from a governmental standpoint when they established free speech when free speech was established what you say it is is the intent of what free speech actually is versus what our culture defines free speech as right free speech is a legal concept it's not a belief it's like, not, but, th- but this is actually, belief. <laughs> this is the problem that our president has. He believes that free speech means that people can say what they want without consequence, and private corporations aren't allowed to do anything about that, which is wrong. That's not how the law works. It doesn't matter what you believe; it matters what is true. This is actually the genesis of our problem in this country, right? But I, but I, though I think our president is the face of it, he's not the only one who's guilty. Oh he, no, of his course party not. and his subsets, like. No, there's the a lion's share of us are guilty of that on some level. It's why Donald Trump was celebrated prior to him running for president. It's why Nicki Minaj is out here saying fake news. That's not the truth. And living right. in a world where she's actually, I think she really thinks she has the number one album in the country. But, but did you listen to her Queen Radio today? I tried. I listened to about nine minutes of it. Seven, I listened maybe to, seven. I listened to about three. Okay. And... From what I gathered, she lives in a bubble and her bubble is full of yes men and people pleasers and soothsayers and And fans on Twitter, fans on Twitter that constantly tell her you're great, you're great, you're great, you're great. And you know what's funny? The crazy thing about pride. I'm not even mad at Nikki because if a million people are constantly telling telling me you're great, you're great, you're great, you're great. And they're treating me like a deity after a while and like in our humanity. The lion's share of us are going to like, we're going to agree with that. We're going to, we're going to enjoy that. Like it, it's a, it's a skill nowadays to be objective. Mm. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a commodity to step outside of your bubble and say, what's your perception about this? Even if it's something that I hold dear, I understand that people do not believe, do not believe in my, um, do not believe in what I believe in from a faith standpoint, Doc, yourself included. Yeah. For me to say, okay, Doc, how did you get there? And for you to explain that and for me to say, I get it. I understand. And for that to be the end of it, like that's a commodity because in most cases that turns into an argument and I've never seen anybody win anybody over in any circumstance not even just in, in a religious sense, but just in music. We've argued about stuff. We've argued about artists and albums and stuff all the time. And us ye- hilariously yelling at each other has never like started with a, or ended with a, all right, I'll check them out. Versus, I'll never forget when you introduced me to Jeezy and you said, you need to listen to Trap or Die. I, had, I wanted nothing to do with young Jeezy. Nothing to do with him. But I said, okay, Doc's approach was different. Um, I trust Doc because Doc and I have had a million and one conversations about artists and I trust his ear. So let me go check this out. Lo and behold, I slowly became a fan of Jeezy. So it's it it's it takes a level of maturity. It takes a level of self-awareness to step outside of your bubble, especially as a celebrity. My God, to say, all right, what are people who don't classify themselves as barbs? What do they think about me? and my music, and my brand, and everything that I associate myself with. Nikki clearly doesn't do that. Clearly, clear as day. She sounded on that, on, anytime I've heard her speak, she's been on Flex, she's been on Clue. <laughs> like, gosh, she got a, she did a radio interview with Clue? Like, that's crazy. Um, She sounds delusional, Doc. I know. Like, 
like I'm scared of how delusional she sounds. Like, oh my God, you have nobody in your corner. I, I'm thankful for the people who can call me and say, Armand, you tripping. You're wrong. This is, this is what it is. Though this is your reality, it's not real. These are the facts. And will walk me through adjusting my perception, adjusting my heart, my whatever that I need to, to get that right. She clearly doesn't have that. And that, that's scary. That sucks. And, and so this is the danger with where we're at right now with artists wanting to be transparent. Absolutely. Because I think there's good to that, right? There's good and there's bad. Like, I, I don't want to say, oh, transparency is bad. But what I'll say is, we've talked about this, I'm sure. I know we've talked about this in the show before. But yeah, like, 20 years ago, there was mystique around an artist. Absolutely. We don't have much of that anymore. And so the more tools that are created to knock down barriers between artists and their fans, the harder it is to have an image. And maybe that's a good thing. But what that means is instead of an image, now you become like, now you're just showing like, oh, I'm a human and we're all flawed, right? And so now instead of I idolize this person because they seem perfect, Mm -hmm. we're asking people to idolize them. And then, oh, by the way, when their flaws are sometimes amplified by, yes, the fact that Nicki Minaj probably has a bunch of people who tell her exactly what she wants to hear. She is living in this bubble. And she has access to, via Twitter on her phone, she can communicate whatever is running through her mind anytime she wants. There's no publicist. There's no sign-off. There's no nothing. Absolutely. And maybe that's a good thing. And maybe that's a bad thing. But it is where we're at. And it's why artists who do have more of an, who do try to put up more of an image, seem increasingly to fans, especially younger fans, like they're fake. Yep. Or they're not authentic. Mm-hmm. We got to be careful what we ask for. Absolutely. The, the, I always say real transparency is vulnerable and can be taken advantage of. If I, I mean, I really, Armand, you want to talk about transparency? Oh, my God. I'm king transparency. And, and due to me being really transparent on one side, I've got people who treat me like the way they treat Travis and Nikki and Eminem and Rihanna. Like I've got a very loyal fan base that will ride for me. And I know some of them by name, right? Where, where the music has became, has become conversations, which have become relationships where now these are people who will call me or text me and tell me about what they have going on. And we can, I can help walk them through. They trust me in those intimate spaces. On the flip side of that, it's destroyed relationships. Um, it, because it, because it can be taken advantage of, it has. So I have trust issues, um, it, it, it has, um, numbed me in some ways, you know what I'm saying? So like, there's, you got it with, with transparency, with, I'm going to be honest, you, uh, you expose yourself to like rejection and you got to take that, <clears throat> excuse me, but I don't, I don't know if people consider that. I don't know if they count that cost when they say I'm going to be, because there's a, there's a, there's also a level of false transparency. I was talking to one of my friends about this. There's a false transparency that goes on too. What do you mean by number, that? Number one, people are often transparent about their past because it's their past. And it's easy to talk about like, well, yeah, I used to be a creep. You know, I used to I used to um, I used to manipulate women or I used to steal or I used to do this. I used to be a gangbanger and I used to do that. But now I'm good versus saying, no, I still manipulate women. No, I still steal from people. 
no, I'm still very dishonest. Nobody wants to have that conversation. Nobody wants to say that unless they are what people call in this culture, again, owning your truth. What do you, what do, you do when your tra- transparency says, hey, guys, I, I manipulate women. I've had a misogynistic view of women for most of my life, and I hate it. It's now, um, it's now hindered the way that I have relationships. I desire to be, I desire to treat women differently, and I can't. I end up reverting to my old ways. I need help. Or I don't know how to move past this is where I am right now. Nobody has those types of conversations because those are vulnerable. Those can be taken advantage of. Those will potentially hurt your brand, quote unquote. Who's going to have those conversations? Who's going to be that person to step out and really put their head on the guillotine? Definitely not a major artist. Or definitely not someone who's concerned about their brand. Even now, we're like, it's it's cool to be depressed. It's cool to, we talk about the... The, the druggy culture, you know, like these druggy raps that these kids do. But if you listen to like the kid Juice World, like yeah. his song is painful to listen to. Like I can like I can feel how much pain the kid is going through. And I want to tell him like, oh, man, you're 17. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, buddy. But, but you know what? Heartbreak? I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's different now. It, it, it's different now. It on, on On one hand, it's different where like. Maybe he's not in that much pain and maybe he's just, you know, maybe he's 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 acting. You no, know? what I was going to say is, I mean, just because they're 17, like 17 year olds commit suicide. Like, you know, what I mean, absolute, like, absolute. I, yeah. I've, I had I went to high school. One of my best friends in high school committed suicide over a woman. And and one of my his ex-girlfriend was cheating on him. Oh, no, she wasn't cheating on him. I'm sorry. They were breaking up and getting back together. And then finally, she broke it off. She was with another guy. He got wind of it. He called her, shot himself on the phone while she was on the phone with him. Mm. And, you know, like, I wish I, 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 I struggle with sometimes like, you know, I'm going to Colorado this weekend. So I'm sure I'm going to potentially run into people who we knew. And I, sometimes I want to tell them like, yo, like you're, you're, you're going to get through this. Like how you feel about something or someone at 17, 16, 18, you're not going to feel that way at 22, 23, 25, 27. You may, but there's a really good chance that you won't. You know, any of the heartbreak that I've experienced in my life, like I think about those relationships now and I'm like, well, thank God I didn't get in those relationships. They would have been bad for both of us, you know? So, but what if I would have said my first heartbreak or the first time I got cheated on was the absolute, that was it for me. Like, what if I just decided that the depression that I experienced in that season was just too much to bear and I couldn't, nothing would be more painful than this moment. It wouldn't, it, it might've been that for that time, but not understanding that like, yo, like you're going to grow up and you're going to have different experiences and what harms you now or what overwhelms you now won't have that same power in a year and five years and 10 years. But for some people, they choose to hang on to that because they feel like that's the end all be all. You know, so yeah, but you're right though. Like my daughter, for days I could tell you about things that she's expressed with me about her friends and stuff that she's experienced and experiencing that opens up the door to really traumatic stuff. So, so me saying that about Juice World is not saying like, ah, you'll be fine. It's like no, it's like I understand that this is painful for you. However, life does go on. You know, but that's become big business. Yeah, I think the thing about transparency, like what's interesting about transparency is like it still exists right alongside 
the rest, especially for big name artists, the rest of the existing celebrity apparatus. So like on the one hand, you're going to have your photo shoots. You're going to have like the professionally done videos. You're going to have the the really tightly prepackaged album rollout. And then you even have social media platforms like Instagram, which sure you could use to be totally transparent or you can use to show off like this is the perfect version of my world, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And that exists all in the same universe as I got this blank text box on Twitter and whatever comes out of my brain, I can put out. Yep. And it's, you know, uh, it's funny, like the more that ha- like we end up getting to a place in hip hop where on, on so many fronts, this is just in culture in general, but on so many fronts, it's not that we have one or the other. It's that we have all of everything all the time. Always. Everything is always an option. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how you deal with that and how artists deal with that and how they choose to sell themselves and everything else. Because like one thing I really appreciate about this conversation is it's made me realize like I need to be a little bit more empathetic about celebrity. Absolutely. Yeah. Go on, go into that. But I, I agree with you. Absolutely. So what do you mean by that? Do you need to because what do you mean by that? It's because being a celebrity is not something that many people have training on. Or even if they give you media training, it's not quite the same thing. Or even a lot of experience with, right? Um, if you're new to being a celebrity or if like this has been a sudden thing or whatever else. Like I, we, it's really tempting with Nikki and a lot of people did it to go on there and say, oh, Nikki's gone crazy. Right, right. It's like, all oh, right, she didn't go crazy. Talk about it. N- Nikki has been, when you are, there are very few people who have been, like if you were to like try to list the names of rappers who have ever in their careers been as successful as Nicki Minaj has been, talk about it. It's not actually a really long list. Talk about it. So like it's not like there's a lot of examples out there of like how to be this successful. I mean she's. I mean it's not even arguable. She's the most successful female rapper of all time. Talk about it. It's not even close. Yep. And so she has adoring fans. She has mm-hmm. men who are who only want to see her as a piece of meat. Yep. She has all sorts of things to deal with to try to sell. It's this constant battle. How much do you use this to sell versus what do I hold back for this versus like it, it, it's not. I didn't say it was easy, but I do believe like that she wants this right. Like at a certain point, like this isn't 2010. Like she's not new to being a celebrity. Right. So, like, at some point, you stop being like, I mean, maybe, again, maybe I should have more. But, like, in my brain, what sounds logical to me is, like, at some point, I don't know exactly when it is, but you sort of cross over into, okay, I've done tours. I've done these album roles. I know what it's like to have paparazzi hand me. It's not like Nicki Minaj is ascending to a higher level of fame necessarily right now. Like, she's still incredibly famous just like she was two years ago three years ago mm-hmm. four years ago mm-hmm. yep but increasingly the barriers like t- two things are happening right number one twitter i blame twitter but all social media but really twitter everything just moves much faster yep. much easier to be able to do whatever you want as an artist anymore you don't need a publicist you don't need this you don't need that you can just do it on that's one thing. yep yeah um the other thing for me and we we haven't somehow mentioned this really the entire time, but all of a sudden there is another 
prominent female rapper who is selling a Nicki Minaj mm. and doing a lot of Nicki Minaj things. She she's she's taken the Nicki blueprint and remixed it just a little bit. It's Fifty and Ja Rule, kind of. Except imagine if like Ja Rule, if there was no other male rappers. Sure, that makes it even worse. Absolutely. And now all of a sudden you're like, no, wait, just a minute. Absolutely. What do you do when you come into that? I mean, because a lot of people will say that Nick. Okay, so let me ask you this, because I don't, I don't necessarily have a stance yet. But what do you say to people who would say that Nikki gets a lot of her cues from Kim? Kim is, she's an interesting, she's an interesting career. I think. Kim, yeah. I asked a question and I started answering it. I'm sorry. Is, I mean, how long is her actual career? Like, I recognize that she is still like performing occasionally stuff like that. But like, when you think about Lil Kim as a like force in hip hop, you start in 95, right? With Junior Mafia, mm-hmm. her solo album in 96. And then what was She's the record? A- what was the record? The record with Mr. Cheeks, that was what, 2003? That was, the jump off was 2002, I believe. But you also got the notorious KIM with No Matter What People Say. Sure, that's like 2000. I'm just trying that's to, I'm just trying, like, she had, but she's also, but she also's got um, Lady Marmalade. She had a lot of singles. That's two thousand three. No, I, Lady Marmalade wasn't oh three, was it? All right, we're going to. Boy, it's been a lot of wiki. It's been a lot of Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, because La, uh, La Bella Mafia. That was the that was the two thousand three album. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, I forgot about Shaky Bum. Jump off! Oh, Magic Stick. Magic stick. Uh, then see, yeah, Lady Marmalade was two thousand one. Two thousand one. Moulin Rouge soundtrack. Oh wow, you're right. Okay, so and then she put out the Naked Truth in two thousand five, which had oh, light. They show she wow. tried with lighters up. That 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 was it was a regional hit. They went off in New York, but nowhere else. Right. Um. And wait a minute, this album got five mics in the source. Yeah, so remember, she was dating Dave Mays at the time. So it was like this big thing. This was like, that was like the, that was the dagger for the source. Oh, wow. I forgot all about it. Man, I'm looking at these production credits for 2005, and it is a trip back in time. Oh, Lord. Okay, who's who's on here? Red Spider. (laughs) Okay. J.R. Rodham. Wow. Okay. Fred Reck. Okay, Fred Reck was dope. Yep. Well, right, but man, J.R. Oh, boy. Yeah, JR, JR, JR. I mean, he was like he was like Scott Storch light. I was gonna say the discount Scott Storch, but Scott, this, yeah, which is yeah. which is doing him a disservice. Point Scott Storch. Yeah. Oh boy. Yep. Sorry, I'm now reading uh, letters up. Um, I didn't know Rockwilder produced Lady Marmalade. He did a lot of stuff with Christina. He did. Yeah, he did dirty. Right. He did dirty. Which basically was just Red Man's Let's Get Dirty. <laughs> like, hey, that Red Man song, give me that exact same thing. And I think Red Man's on the record, right? <laughs> I think he got him I think he got his man in check. Now I can't believe I'm going to read about Let's Get Dirty. Oh, it's, oh I forgot Dirty with like two R's. Oh boy. Two thousand two, yeah, man. Cause that uh, was that was when Christina like when they made her make that that sharp left. That that's that, we'll just we'll just call it the sharp left. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, uh, red man is on that. Yes, I'm just red gonna leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. Cool. I forgot about let's get dirty. We all did. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oof. Two thousand 
2001, man. Oh, man, that was a... Uh... <sighs> come back, Doc. Come back. Come back. Sorry. We're having a good conversation. You come lost back. me. All right. So we were... Yeah. So all of a sudden, Nikki has competition. And I say that almost like, oh, she can't hang with it. But no, like really, like all of a sudden, here's somebody who has taken... It's always the hardest to be first or to be the only one who's out there. Mm-hmm. When someone but, takes the work that you have done, right, comes into your lane, takes your blueprint and runs with it. Mm-hmm. it and what's interesting is, oh, I got to I got to make that. And that person doesn't have all the baggage. She doesn't have all the baggage. Doesn't it's, have all the history and gets to learn from all your mistakes. All your mistakes. Absolutely. Absolutely. It gets it, to be it, the flavor of the month. Absolutely. It sucks that they can't, you know, there's always the discussion of, well, how come there has to be only one female rapper? How come there can be a bunch of men in hip hop, but like there has, there can only be one female MC who is at the top. Like, can we live in a culture where Cardi and Nicki both exist and are successful? But I guess we kind of are right now because throughout all of this stuff, Nikki still get did good numbers. She did pretty good numbers. Um, I, I think this. I think, I think because not always there are notable exceptions. Notable exceptions. I think that prove your rule wrong, right? Which is that. Um, but let me say this. I think that if I think that you can only have so many artists who are who are doing the same thing, right? I think that there is typically a limit on, it. and there are lots of exceptions. But like, if if you're saying that female artists are going to try to do the little Kim, Nicki Minaj, like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be this sexual bombshell, but who's also like aggressively rapping, and I'm trying to be the best of all these worlds. Like that's an archetype. It's not the only kind of female, artist, right? Right. Missy was a very successful. I think she was an artist. I wouldn't call Missy an MC. I mean, if Missy was out now, she'd be a rapper. Yeah, that's true. Missy that's true. was singing and rapping. Well, all y'all kids were diapers. <laughs> right. But, um, I mean, Lauren Hill, again, same idea. But, um, like, Lauren Hill was really successful at the same time when Logan was still successful, Dr. Brown was still successful, Missy Elliott was still. Like, it is possible. But when we think that the only way, and I shouldn't say we think, because there are lots of reasons why female hip hop artists might think that they have to fit the certain archetype. But, like, if the archetype is I'm going to be this like curvaceous bombshell who is, you know, a sexual fantasy for men and an idol for women, like that's one type of female. And I'm not even trying to, this isn't about, Oh, shouldn't show skin or anything like that. I'm saying like, these are choices and like Nikki can make all the choices she wants and I don't really care. But like, there are other ways, lots of other possible ways for art for, for I think possibly for female artists to get there. But the music industry is pretty sexist. Hip hop in general is very nice. sexist. That's being nice. I'm being I'm being very very generous here, right? So I'm not surprised that we don't have a lot of examples. I I don't think it's inherent. I just think we haven't got. Uh, yeah, I think I think these are sacrifices that we're making. It's like, you know, how many how many burgers did McDonald's make before they made the Big Mac? That might be a bad example, but you know. I mean, like I think I think in all cases like. Artists like somebody's gotta like blaze the trail. Absolutely, and the and the trailblazers rarely get their due. Like somebody call up Big Daddy Kane, right? Because Jay Z doesn't exist with a one hundred percent. Nas doesn't exist without Rakim. One hundred percent. Uh, 
And then J. Cole doesn't exist without Nas. Like, like I mean, bring, you bring really, I mean, you really want to like draw like draw a thing like any rapper who any male rapper who's ever tried to be a sex symbol doesn't exist without L. Cool J. Absolutely. Doesn't exist. Now L. Cool J is at least really well known, but like Rakim and, and Big Daddy Kane are legends for for old, like old school hip hop fans. But like they had to go through what they went through so Nas and Jay Z could stand on the show. Hopefully that's so hopefully you won't have to go through that. Right. right. Another point another point I wanted to make about Nikki is that she came out and you alluded to this, but you didn't say it, you didn't say it blatantly. She came out in an era like there's that it's the muddy 2010s. She came out during a transition era. She came out during a transition era. So like there are people, I think people who like Cardi like Cardi because they felt like they came up with her. And when versus when they got into hip hop, Nikki was already a thing. And that that matters nowadays. People like seeing the com- they like seeing the process. They want to see they want to see the glow up. They want to see the glow up. Absolutely. And everybody saw Cardi's glow up. So and they Nick- almost feel like they have a vested interest in what happens to her. And Nikki's image is the opposite of completely opposite. Nikki's image is she always had the glow up because mm-hmm. she's Nikki Minaj. She was the chosen one. So she's surrounded with wake, wake. <laughs> so I'll say, so say wake and drain. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that's, like, that's, surra- the, that's the real budget YMCMB. Jesus. It's like element OP. Um, so she's surrounded with Cash Money Records, Lil Wayne, and Drake. Like she's coming out of that camp, has the history, has the pedigree, has the cosigns. Cardi didn't really have cosigns. Like, all those things matter to people. It's those little intangibles that 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 help. And another point I want to make, and you you said this about having um, more empathy for celebrities. I've heard somebody say, "Well, you know, Nikki just has to recognize that she's not number one anymore. She has to embrace the decline the same way that her predecessors embraced the decline." Who, who, who is embraced the decline? None of them embrace the decline. If Lil Kim or Foxy or any of those other artists had social media in their time, they would have done the same thing or potentially worse. Very few artists pull a Barry Sanders. Very few. Where they go out near the top and they just go, you know what? That's it. I've proven everything I have to prove. I'm good. Mm-hmm. They just... They just don't do it. And you, you never think like, right. You, you always think, oh, that's just a downward blip. Don't, you don't ever think you're in the middle of the slot. Right. Cause it, it comes, it comes quick. I think that's what happens. It comes really, really quick. Man, I'm looking at, I, I'm looking at 50 cents discography right now. His decline came very quick. Like 50 just stopped pursuing number one records. What? Like two years ago. I mean, so the massacres in 2005. And okay. sells 1.15 million copies. In mm-hmm. And I'm not talking like there's no like wink, wink, nudge, nudge sold. This isn't this isn't like cash money sold a million copies in a week. This is actual sold copies in the, like oh. 50 cent used to. I mean, and that was a short week. 1.1 million in a short week. Um, and then two years later is Curtis. Larry. Yep. And two years later, he puts out War Angel. For free on thisis50.com. We also got to have a conversation. I really wish that somebody said this, but I, I want to know what, how we feel about this. Like those, those, that piff numbers, 
because I think the I think that Piff came out with like the top five most streamed mixtapes ever. Oh yeah, on their site. So like, and I don't I don't know the list, but like, and we should probably pull it up. But that Piff live mixtapes, like even SoundCloud to a degree. Like if we're talking about monetizing the the industry, like do those mixtapes count for something? Is it just no because of legalities and not clearing those beats and probably not paying producers and X, Y, and Z, but like, where do those things factor in? Does the fact that you have the most, cause remember that was the thing, like, yo, my, my mixtape was streamed. Remember when it was a thing to shut down that piff? Yeah. Yo, the servers couldn't handle it. <laughs> that was the thing. Right. And like, so does, does having a mixtape that was streamed 50 million times, does that factor into anything? with where the industry is going should it i'm pulling up that list of most stream most downloaded mi- mi- mixtapes on dat Pit. okay i think it's an old list just Why? somehow because um because it has like big sean detroit dedication for rich forever like it's very like 2012 2014 heavy mm. but it's an interesting question right i mean mixtapes are yeah, I mean nowadays mixtapes would have just they, they would have figured out how to count them as what as streaming, right? But we're not there anymore. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how to count that as a fan, right? I mean, because honestly, these numbers aren't as big as I would think. What are, What are the numbers? So like, uh, what's an like Rich Forever, one point seven five million downloads. That doesn't. That's it. It's free. Right, because you you gotta also factor in during those days, people were you know when that piff would go down. You got to factor in Zippy Share. Right, right. I was going to say like, space. like no ceilings only had 1.3. No, there's no way. Right. So these aren't even these aren't even complete numbers. Right? These are like these are just whatever numbers. basically. And and does Spotify and Tidal and Apple Music owe any credence to that piff? Because they were sites who were encouraging streaming. They know. were the first sites to encourage streaming. I don't know if they owe them anything. I mean, again, someone's got to pave the way. There you go. I'm trying to figure out where we should go next. Oh, I don't know. We've talked about a lot, man. Um, we really, we really danced around a lot of stuff here. Um, so I guess what, like, where do we go from here? Maybe where, where does the industry go from here? Where does Nikki go from here? Yeah, where does Nikki go from here? Is I mean, where, N- where Nikki is apparently do? gonna keep talking. You know, she's um, whether she feels like she has something to say or whether she recognizes, hey, I'm getting a lot of attention right now, so I should keep this up. But she'll be back on on her beats one radio show next week yeah and she'll say some more stuff um i don't know if she'll have a hit single off the album um i don't know if this is all going to be worthwhile for her right um she has a lot of dedicated fans i don't know if she has enough dedicated fans to insulate her from backlash for this nah she's got to eat all of this take advantage and just figure it out later she's got to do you know like people are saying just get back to the music like because a lot of the do you what did she perform last night uh barbie dreams you see my face right now <laughs> what did you think like, she was gonna perform she thought she was gonna get out there and be like ganja burn, ganja. No, she was like, <laughs> uh yeah i mean and joe button kind of like made that infamous for her but she could have did good like i went back and I skimmed through Queen the other day, and I'm like, yo, like, good form is a layup. Yeah, I missed the boat on good form. That's an obvious, obvious single. It's a layup. And especially where tempos are now, like, people will probably blend that into nice for what? 
I mean, not even that, but also like you're signed to Wayne. Wayne would actually kill that. Like it's a, it's just get that new, like the New Orleans remix. I know Drake just mm. did a thing in New Orleans, but like figure that out. Cause it's a new, as you pointed out. And once I heard it again this week, I was like, of course it's new. It's totally a Manny Fresh record. Yes, it is. Um, 100%. Yeah. If you could get Wayne, you get like a, like a hot boys reunion, right. like something nostalgic you could pull on because that record feels I've been in this I've been in like my no limit suave house uh rap a lot bag for the last uh couple weeks you get you find you some nostalgia bag that you can pull from get juvenile on that record get Wayne on that record you know get Manny on that record it's a rap get a contest <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like get something to try and go viral or something and put the focus back on the music instead of the numbers. Like how can you like you like Nikki needs to like sit down and like just how can you be so focused on on wanting to get props for being the best rapper props? It's over. You you want this respect as being like the number one rapper. Right. But then all of your attention, you finally put out a project that people are like, all right. But then, because it's not number one, you take all of your all of your attention off of the music part, and then you go immediately into the numbers part because that's not good. Like, no, do the work and like make sure that God make sure you your your second week isn't like a eighty percent drop. Yeah. Nobody's thinking about what if her ne- what if her second week is like forty thousand or thirty thousand. She's done. Then she can't she can't tweet away out of that one. Put out a video. Fake news. A, yeah, you can't fake news that one. No, put out a record, put out good form, do something with Foxy, like start putting everybody, you've, you've got everybody looking at you. Get everybody to shift off of the drama and get them back onto Queen. Because prior to, people were like, all right, take advantage of that. I don't know. I, it, I think it still all goes back to Starships being a fluke and her wanting to please. And like, God forbid Cardi's second album has like, Fortunately for her, I Like It is a record that's still in her wheelhouse. She was able to, like that, she told that line really well versus a Starships, which is just like a super pop, pop, poppy record. But God forbid Cardi does something that's, you know, that stretches her and it hits unexpectedly. And then she feels the pressure of trying to do something outside of her wheelhouse because that killed Nikki. She's still chasing that. Just like I alluded to earlier where Joe Budden was like, just, just spent so much time chasing Pump It Up. Nikki was chasing Starships. You know, I feel like LMA will probably chase Boot Up. When like you make good music outside of that, just do what you've always done. How but long? That's... Go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. I'll, go ahead, please. How long did Nas spend chasing Illmatic? Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. He didn't hit Illmatic until he called his album Stillmatic. And it took a Jay-Z beef... Cause I mean, like, like, let, like, let's let's keep it real. Stillmatic is it's it's good. It, if you were to review that now, I'm sorry. If you if you were to honestly look at it, you would give what we used what I used to refer to in the source as a gentleman's form likes. <laughs> yes, a gentleman's form. Yes, right. Yes, it's respectable. Yep, yep. But is it a five mic classic? No, not by any stretch. It's a moment. It's an album that encompasses a moment in hip-hop history that will forever live in infamy. And because the source didn't want to give the blueprint... Now, does the blueprint deserve five mics? I believe so. I think so. Okay. So it's a, it's a classic hip-hop record. Yeah. But I think people will just... 
calling Stillmatic a classic is the equivalent of people listing Scarface as one of their favorite Southern MCs. Like you can't even name five Scarface records. It's he's just the <laughs> artist who did the records with your favorites, and so he's the guy that you you name because he's respectable. You don't really dig into like the the Southern MCs who was really doing it. Now I want to listen she to In Between know. Us and Cold Blood. I you know I always thought In Between Us was overrated. I that's per- that's I, the record with Nas, right? Yep. Oh. People love that record and it just never really did it for me. It's dope, but it just, it never did it for me. In Cold Blood was my record. Kanye put his foot in that record. I miss the old Kanye. <laughs> Man, don't do that. <laughs> listen, go find, listen, can somebody just, like, can somebody just recreate the ecstasy instrumental for me, please? No. Just like listen to it. You're not going to, but I wish you would. No. Anyways, anything else you want to talk about this week? You think I think we're good. We're good. I think we're good. We've talked plenty. There is a whole lot of conversation that was had in the show. And thank you all for listening. And I would love to hear what y'all think. Please. Please hit us up at CRS Podcast um, and let us know. We talked. I mean, this was wide ranging to say the least. But but yeah, thanks y'all for sticking around. And uh, anything else, Armand? Nah. See you guys uh, next time. (laughs) Whenever, (laughs) Whenever that is.